Welcome to Mint, the corner of where crypto meets the creator economy. My name is Adam Levy, and every Tuesday and Thursday, I'll be showing you how the creators of today are building the communities of tomorrow by harnessing the power of Web3. Before we kick off this episode, I wanted to recognize one of the NFT sponsors that's helping make Mint a reality. They are CyberConnect, a decentralized social graph protocol allowing users to own and control their social connections while providing a universal data layer backed by powerful social features to empower developers. Already with 150,000 users and 3 million connections, CyberConnect is the largest decentralized social graph supporting Ethereum, Binance Smart Chain, Near, and Solana with more coming soon. To learn more, visit cyberconnect.me and start connecting with everyone in Web3. This episode welcomes Nas, Chief Information Security Officer at A16Z and co-founder of the NFT project Rebels. In this episode, we discuss the innovative features of his NFT project, how to build a diehard community, lessons learned while working at Facebook, the day-to-day of being CISO of A16Z, and so much more. I hope you guys enjoy our conversation. Nas, welcome to Mint. Thank you for being on. What's going on, my man? Yeah, doing great, doing great. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. Dude, I'm I'm thrilled to have you on. Uh, it's not every day that you get to talk with someone of your kind of like stature, at least from the professional experience side. So we have a lot to talk about from Rebels, A16Z, and all the good stuff. But I think a good place to start uh, and uh, kind of where I start with everybody is a quick intro, okay? Who are you, Nas? What does the world need to know about you? But more specifically, how did you get your start into crypto? Yeah, great, great question. Yes. Uh, so my name is uh, Nas Nassim Edekiwak. Uh, I'm the Chief Information Security Officer at A16Z Crypto, uh, leading uh, a lot of efforts, both like internally for the, 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 the security and safety of the company internally, but also, and that's kind of like the vast majority of my work is uh, working with the portfolio of companies, you know, whether that's OpenSea, um, Uniswap, and others, you know, like the the entire portfolio of A16Z, which is pretty broad uh, on all things security. Uh, whether that's you know building features, uh, preparing or helping through audits, um, hiring, really the the entire the entire range, right? Um, prior to that, I uh, was working at Facebook uh, in the blockchain uh, the blockchain organization called Novi where I was kind of responsible for uh, blockchain features within the uh, the, um, the wallet and co-created the, the, the custody infrastructure for the wallet. So kind of like the key protection that is going to safeguard all the assets. Um, prior to that, I was an early engineer at Anchorage, which is a crypto custodian uh, in the space, um, serving institutional um, institutional customers. And yeah, that's that's actually how I got into uh, Web three. Uh, before that, I was actually I was actually at, at Docker, which is like a, a dev tooling startup, working with the founders of Anchorage. Um, and when they kind of like, you know, decided to 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 leave Web two to get into Web three and, and and create their own their own venture, then kind of like joined along with them and and, and started building the critical key management infrastructure. Uh, I come from a very deep uh security like technical security uh background with operating system security uh applied cryptography and so this is this is something that i love to you know to uh make evolve through like with three technologies right yeah not not as you give me gigabrain vibes like major gigabrain vibes i'm curious what was it like growing up like what were your activities and interests that kind of got you into the scope of information security computers and everything that you're kind of doing today uh well so i was always in love with computers but like okay. believe it or not i actually went into med school i, I started uh, going into med school and did like three years in med school uh prior re- realizing that like it was not ready for me it was not deterministic enough i wanted to have like you know to basically say like look computer i'm gonna write like these things and you're gonna do them and you're gonna do them every single time the same way and so i was just like okay let's uh i kind of like fell in love as, as soon as i wrote my first line of code and uh, then spend kind of like the five years uh, after that, just like working day and night, probably like, I would say like 18 hours, uh, 18 hours a day, like seven, seven, uh, like seven days a week. Um, I just love coding. I just love. Uh, so I also did like a lot of CTF, which are security competitions. 
uh, hacking competitions on kind of like weekends. And it's, uh, it's something that I was doing on a weekly basis uh, with uh, a team of people who are really into security and offensive security. And that part actually was extremely interesting because like learning how to break a system is the best way to learn how to defend it. Because then you have like this attacker mindset in everything that you do, right? Like even I, as a software engineer, as a developer, the first thing that I'm gonna think of, even when I'm doing something like Rebel is gonna be like, how, how is my system gonna be vulnerable? And I'm thinking about that from like first principle at the very beginning. And it really helped me being a better engineer in general. So that's something that I, that I definitely love. So what are some of the more common security vulnerabilities that you see NFT projects kind of fall trapped to? Uh, that's, uh, that's an interesting one. Um, so because NFT contracts are actually a lot simpler than, you know, most blockchain protocols, you know, they don't have to handle like a bunch of various trades and, and, and complex interactions. Um, it tends to be easy to, to, to template. So what you end up seeing most of the time is people just having logic bugs, you know, like we saw that kind of like more recently with Acutars, you know, kind of like the $34 million that were kind of like locked within the, uh, within the, uh, within the contract. And so like, it's mostly logic bugs, you know, it's, it's a lot less about re-entrancy. It's a lot less about like mispricing, you know, price Oracle attacks and so on. Like this is, this is very kind of like straightforward business logic uh, uh, issues that can in general be caught with just more testing. And I think that the, the, there will be a lot of value in the NFT space kind of like slowing down to give the opportunity for people who build technology in the NFT space to just have more time to test, have more time to like do security audits, et cetera. Right. Because like right now you're basically saying like, as soon as like, someone announces an NFT project, everyone is like, hey, come on, like, when are you releasing, right? Like, and right. waiting for like, you know, the thing when to- token. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, when token, when mint, like, I want everything right away. But like in reality, you know, having like $34 million uh, uh, locked in a contract is like a direct byproduct of that, right? And so very important and just like mm. not, don't overestimate like everything that has been done in the, the software engineering space for such a long time, you know, like test your software, have it audited, you know, manual reviews and so on is, is extremely important. Nas, what's it like working at Facebook, especially on the, on the crypto team? I remember when crypto, when Facebook, the news of Facebook doing crypto came out, it was huge. It was like such a indicator that the space is going in some type of direction and that it's here to stay. And I remember when I was in college, I think it was like 2018, 2019, something like that, where the news came out. And I remember instantly buying Facebook. It was like, all right, this is going to be game changer, right? <laughs> so from your point of view, you had such a pivotal role, kind of like developing that team, working on the products in that house. What's it like working at Facebook, especially during that time? Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, that's a, there were several phases. There is kind of like, there are multiple phases where like first there is the research like the early research on just okay so first i'm gonna like take a step back there okay. are parts to it there is the blockchain and then there is the wallet that integrates with this blockchain right so you right. have like these this organization that is almost like split into and so um that still works together and like i was kind of like one of the the, the one of the links basically for this um but you have like these two separate uh, two separate entities that like one works on more like infrastructure for the pro, for the, 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 the L1 and then there is the, the, the wallet. I was on the wallet side. And so there is a early part that is more kind of like research, right? It kind of like starts with research, especially on the blockchain side. Then you apply it and you try to kind of like get this through the door. Then you kind of like hit, uh, you know, the, the U.S. multiple, you know, U.S. regulators that are basically like, I don't want this, uh, you know, lack of transparency, Facebook, right. blah, blah, blah. And then on the wallet side, 
you are also like receiving all the heat you know even though you're doing almost the same thing as like everyone else you're doing the same thing as you know gemini and coinbase etc right you're just building a custodial wallet you're doing the same thing but again you know regulators go like even harder at you they're basically coming at you with stuff like um requirements are uh, that are not applied to any anything else so for example there is this thing in like financial systems called the travel rule where um when to track basically like how money flows from person to person above certain thresholds of, of money you need to have financial institutions on both sides of the transfer to actually kyc the other user mm. right like you have like a like a cross-checking for every step along the way above certain thresholds and basically regulators said like well you see the travel rule you have to like do it within the, uh, the blockchain protocol itself so that the l1 it's almost like you basically have need like a way to validate at the blockchain level that kyc was verified on both ends above a certain threshold which is like crazy to us right like no one would ever add that to ethereum on purpose that's just like that's just nuts um and so you start having like all these requirements and you're fighting more and more and people telling you like well you know like the blockchain data really it's private data it's user data so like mm -hmm. how does it work and you're like no the thing that is on the blockchain is public so you basically try to build a product right but you get a lot of heat and requirements from people who first don't understand the technical trade-offs um some of them can be kind of like doing that kind of like in a malicious way, but a lot of them actually just don't understand, right? And it's just like a lot of education that needs to happen. It's a lot right. of knowledge sharing. And so, yeah. so you end up like doing a lot of things. You end up building the product, you end up like writing a lot of documents to educate the people. And then you start uh, kind of like understanding like how do I battle these like constant requirements on mm. top of like the, 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 the base product. And so there was a lot of that um you know we we were ready to to launch the, the 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 blockchain wallet many times and kind of like actually the day before like you know receiving basically the information that like nope they're blocking it you know and it was like multiple times and so it's uh you know it's it, it's very hard you know i'm not gonna lie it's uh, it's very hard especially as a product builder where you're like off you know what prevents you from launching in general is like bugs uh user experience not being there uh, you know, all that stuff. Right. But it's very, very rare for someone to basically say, like, I don't like uh, like I don't like your company. So I'm going to I'm basically going to block it. So, you know, these stories that you're telling me are basically the antithesis of like why why crypto's here. I mean, early, early crypto was very anarchy. Right. Like a lot of anarchists kind of going. We're 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 going against the grain. Like, where are you yeah. going to use Bitcoin? Like decentralized systems are the way peer to peer payments is the way being able to do what I want on my own terms, being self-sovereign, like those are the core kind of principles that people sort of kind of like got this movement starting, right? And to hear this story, it's like the exact opposite of like what we want to happen. Exactly. And if you're telling me that they're just doing the same thing as Coinbase and Gemini and, and just because it's Facebook, just because it's meta, they're getting kind of like blocked because of past experiences and stories. It's, I don't know. It's, it's wild to kind of think about because... Obviously, I, I feel like we're all building towards the same mission, give or take. You know, there may be some interesting actors out there, but just to hear that, you know, and from, from your experience, what were some of the biggest takeaways uh, working through that process, working through that situation that has maybe led you to kind of this path that you're on today, whether it's A16Z, Rebels, or other things that you kind of do on your day-to-day -day professionally? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think that, like, honestly, the um, very few people understand the weight of like regulations on the space and they they don't understand that it can be kind of like a make make or break type of situation and that we have to actively educate the people actively like really fight for this future to happen because if we don't do anything the other side is going to win and so we need to be extremely proactive and thoughtful about how we work with regulators in order to, um, you know, basically build the, 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 the best technology to lay, lay down kind of like the, the, the best word that we can do that works. And, you know, obviously for like 
transparency of the system, right. of the system, safety of everyone, right? Like how do we lower money laundering? How do we lower um, uh, tourism financing and so on, which are like real issues right. while guaranteeing, you know, like some, some, some uh, self sovereignty for, for the, for the users. Um, and so this is something that we work very hard with uh you know the the, the sec at, at a6nz and, and and various like other agencies and commissions it's like really helping them make the best decisions and trying to educate them put them in front of the right people for them to have the conversations that are going to make their uh they're going to like kind of like lead the thought process in the right direction um so mm-hmm. that's something that we we do very often um and similarly like at, at rebels you know i myself being very conscious about the the the, the like securities laws, etc. Actually, we took and 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 my co-founder uh, Stefan is also um, works also at, at a financial institution. He was actually one of the the, the first in, like very early engineers on the Libra blockchain. Uh, he was the person who kind of like got me to Facebook blockchain. Mm. Um, so when we co-founded Rebels, it was very clear from the get-go that like we could not make promises. We could not set a roadmap that would kind of like put us in jeopardy when it comes to securities laws. Of so course, like from that from the very first time and like every single person in the community, like there are these big memes of like one roadmap and there is this picture of me with a with a gun that they added of like, tell me what, tell me uh, when time. <laughs> because like they know that like, you know, we will not do that. Like we don't want to be like the sole uh, creators of value. We're not here to create like investment, uh, you know, investment um, instruments. Uh, and financial instruments for people. We're here to create experiences, products. And so this is really how we we thought about it. You know, like when I think Rebels NFTs, I think iPhone. I don't think, I don't think, you know, uh, a financial instrument. And so that's really like how, uh, how mm. like define everything. Like we talk about features, we don't really talk about utility. Um, and so that's, that's kind of like, it, it kind of dictates everything that we do. So, that brings us to Rebels because we've name dropped that keyword a bunch of times. So, Naz, what is Rebels? Like, you, you keep bringing it up, we're comparing it to the iPhone. Like, what, what is the pitch? Um, <laughs> what should we know about Rebels? Yeah. So, Rebels is a project uh, co founded by people who really are passionate about technology, fashion, um, you know, gaming, and really kind of like the idea is to build an NFT project that actually pushes the narrative in each one of the areas uh, for, for NFT projects. NFT projects tend to be kind of like, um, if I had to simplify it, I would say kind of like art, technology, and community, right? Kind of like three verticals. And like our goal was really to push the narrative and having a technology that actually helps you, like our vision is essentially building a canvas for digital identities. We feel like the NFT space right now doesn't really help you show who you truly are, right? You may be some person at at a given point in time, you know, and like identifying to like a unique NFT, but you change, I change, we join communities, we start, you know, having roles and accumulating achievements in these communities. And right now it's impossible to signal all of that, right? Like the, 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 most of the NFT pictures that we're seeing, they're very static. And so our goal is to build a dynamic, kind of like a dynamic front end for Mm -hmm. us to communicate, you know, who we are to the rest of the, of the rest of the space. And so that comes with a, a customization features for the rebels that are native. Your NFT will change over time. You will have the capability to make it evolve basically first with patches of other nfts in your wallet but also patches that recreate to kind of like for you to be able to flex and signal the roles that you have within the community right like maybe you did something amazing within the community maybe you helped onboard many other people and and so on and just like kind of building helping also foster sub communities right very very important got it so when you talk about expression, it's obviously a key, key, key kind of ethos uh, in Web3 with NFTs as the medium kind of bridging that digitally. 
And you tell me there's this feature coming out that you guys are doing where you'll be able to consistently evolve your identity through different types of UX, UI features that you guys would be implementing for PFP holders, right? From what I understand correctly. That's is the, so, so, from what I, from, so from what I've seen in, in across crypto Twitter and Web3 in general, like the PFP format is actually quite limiting. Like you consistently yeah. have to swap your JPEG to kind of express your, your significance in different communities and different styles and at different times. And uh, let alone having the NFT in your wallet to be forced to connect to Twitter's APIs or Twitter's wallet, right? And being able to signify the hexagon that you own it. There's a lot of like risk associated with that. Um, there's a lot of uh, nuance associated with that. Every single time you buy a JPEG, you have to download the image and then upload the image. And there's all these kind of like interesting kind of user experiences that are involved. So when you're designing a product at, at Rebels, how do you guys actually solve that problem? So you tell me you can swap UI, UX features, but elaborate on that a little bit more. Yeah. So, you know, we're, uh, we're security first, you know, uh, very security minded. I, I covered that already. Right. And so we really think that the using your NFT is critical, right? Like a lot of people just don't feel like they use the NFT. And this is why like the over financialization happens. And so making people get used to just using them as a product is the paradigm shift that needs to happen. And so the, the, the thing that you pointed out is critical. Basically the friction that happens from balancing the security versus like, do I keep this thing in my cold storage? Do I have to like move it? Do I have to like do things? Instead of having like a very simple way to do it and a very safe way to do it is something that we decided very, very early to tackle. And like, because we want to, the customization happens with, you know, what are the other NFTs in the same wallet as your Rebel? And like, let's allow you to customize your Rebel with these NFTs in, in your wallet. Um, you don't want to have everything come to, uh, you know, to your hot wallet all the time, especially if you want to like change it on a daily basis, right? Like I may want to like put my CryptoPunk and like my board Ape like every, every day. Um, what we want is for you to be able to pilot, to drive this process from the hot wallet. And so we're actually working on something that is called um, customiz customization permission delegation, where you can actually have from a certain wallet the ability to delegate the authorization to customize to another wallet that doesn't need to hold. It, it would not be able to transfer. It would not have any other permission than just customizing. And you can revoke this at any given time, right? And this is very important for you to have the ability to just have this highly available wallet that can actually be used to like use your NFT while keeping your NFT safe. That's extremely critical. We need to implement these things and make it safe by default for people to, you know, just use their NFT on a daily basis. Wow. That's actually really, really cool. So how do you go by tackling a problem like that? Like, what are the steps involved? If you've been thinking about this since the genesis of Rebels, how did you guys approach this problem space and trying to find that right solution? Yeah, this is this is a great question. So the idea is that you essentially have several ways to do it, right? You have kind of like, I want to do everything on-chain. I want to do everything off-chain and so on. And so we really felt like the idea of permission delegation already exists. You know, for example, like when you when you want to make a trade on OpenSea, right, and, and kind of like start a sale, what you do actually when you when you kind of like click on MetaMask and you authorize it is kind of you actually authorize OpenSea to set approval for all to move assets on your behalf. Mm -hmm. So right now, what you're doing is actually just that. You're actually delegating the permission, a specific permission, in that case, moving the asset to OpenSea. And what we want is kind of like generalize that uh, and apply it to uh, customization. And in the future, we want to apply it to more features, right? And so something that is like fully on-chain, where like there is like full transparency, everyone can check who else has like the customization features, allows the system to work even without us. So essentially, 
once you have kind of like a smart contract that works almost as like a, a registry, right? That registers who has the, the authorization to, to, to customize what, then that means that like you can even show that if you are Twitter, if you were Instagram and so on, right? Like you can even have basically say like, this is, you know, this is a, this is a, this is the, the wallet that did the action, but actually this is the actual wallet that, that, that holds mm. the, the rebel. And this thing is actually what will allow this to be kind of cross platform. And, you know, no one, we're not going to ask, you know, Twitter to integrate with us, Instagram to integrate with us. They just need to integrate with Ethereum. And that's it. There is nothing else that is necessary. So what that feature that you guys built, that can't be a standalone product on its own or could so, it? Okay. So like basically the, the, the customization will happen right. on our platform and will be propagated. But say that like in the future, you want as Twitter, as Instagram to provide basically integration, customization integration. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say even games because I feel like games are extremely relevant for this, right? Mm-hmm. Games are like, killer kind of like killer use case for this because when i have my board ape i don't want to play like you know the metaverse games from from yuga labs right you know with my my thing plugged on like 24 7 right like especially if i'm gonna play at a land with other people etc right uh it's gonna be a a disaster (laughs) (laughs) i don't want people to come to like necessarily like a fest with like all that stuff so you know the idea is that you want to integrate with a mechanism to you know, check basically to do the customization from within the game itself, right? But we would kind of like own uh, this this part for for now. And other things that were, you know, then you can build on top of it, right? You have like the customization and now that you kind of like own this interface for the customization and this layer, which is almost like a meta layer when you can mm-hmm. accumulate things. Um, and by the way, we talked about uh, visual NFTs, but like, in uh, and, and visual information, but what about non-visual information, right? Like your rebel could be like the meta layer as a whole for any form of identity, right? It could be configuration of like when you go on, you know, in games, do you prefer like dark mode? Do you prefer light mode? Do you want to have like specific settings that you want to kind of register? And like you can accumulate that in this kind of like dynamic NFT that would add as, you know, this digital layer. And it doesn't mm-hmm. even need to be like solely um solely visual so this is this is something that like we really want to have we're gonna kind of like have that on our platform but if someone didn't trust us to do it or if someone in the community wanted to build a better product then they should be able to do so this is the whole ethos around web 3 right it's kind of like we put it on chain you have access to the registry if you think you can better provide a better customization than us you should be able to do so and we really want to uh, to uh, provide the right incentive for the for people to build on top of rebels, and so that's that's one of them. That's so cool. And now I'm trying to I'm trying to visualize this now because from a from a tech point of view, it makes a lot of sense. Like problem solution, peanut butter and jelly, legit. But now I'm trying to understand what does that look like visually, right? Have you guys revealed that already to the community? Um, of what that process would look like, or are you guys holding off on that? Yeah. So, you know, the whole like no promise, uh, under promise over deliver. Right. Uh, it's very important to us. So what we revealed is the first iteration that is, that is coming, uh, pretty shortly after the, uh, pretty shortly after the, 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 the reveal, uh, where people are going to be able to add patches with, uh, collections that like we would approve. So like we would basically kind of like you know, build a, like a whitelist of like one by one of the, the, the collections that like we, we want to like authorize through the customization, probably going to like better test with like a, a few ones, have people kind of like see the feeling, see if we have like a product market fit and then kind of like iterate over that also. And by the way, we also want to leverage roles within the community to, um, to, to test this, this feature. So we're actually creating our patch system where if you have a role within our community, you will be able to display it on your rebel and like customize your rebel to kind of like, Sick. and so for example, like people who got leads, which is like above whitelist in our community, we said like, you get the free, like you get the free rebel and you get the free patch that is going to be exclusive to the lead 
the lead role. And these people will be able to kind of like test it before other people, right? It's kind of like this, this thing of like rewarding people who actually have roles in the way you build the product and, you know, actually like using the features uh, and, and also having additional signaling compared to the rest. Um, that's like a lot of things, but we're actually so working cool. on a lot of, a lot of great stuff. Um, you know, you can imagine anything that is beyond the patch, right? Because like the patch is pretty limiting. Like you don't want to look like a army general, you know, with like 50 different, you know, patches. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's your vibe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe, you know, like, uh, I'll try, but I'm not sure that I'm going to fall for it, but like overall, you know, you may want to use more of this, as we said, you know, the PFP, the, the PFP format is limiting. It is like constrained. So you may want to use, you know, additional parts of the, the, the rebel and like additional things. Like we started looking into, uh, interactive NFTs because like we believe, you know, and, and OpenSea is starting to, 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 to support that pretty well, the ability to kind of like click and, and, and do actions, you know, like with your, with your uh, keyboard keys, etc to interact with your NFT, get more information out of it, you know, say like you can click on a patch, display more information, you know, and, and kind of like not just get the PFP, but actually get links to additional information that can be displayed and would not really be like as native on Twitter, but through in additional interactions, you can actually get further, uh, further data and metadata on, on mm. anyone, right? What's up guys, Adam Levy here. Sorry for the quick pause, but I wanted to recognize a couple of our NFT sponsors who are helping make this episode a reality. They are Coinvise and Mint Socks. First up, on Coinvise, you can create a personal or community-owned social token on Ethereum. Coinvise also helps you create incentives through token rewards and bounties, NFT business models, and bot integrations for Discord. Discover more by visiting coinvise.co today. Next up, we have Mintsongs, who is home to over 1,200 music artists in Web3. Check out the Mintsongs marketplace to support, collect, and connect with artists creating Web3 communities around their music via NFTs. In June 2022, about next month, Mintsongs will be launching their much-anticipated V2 marketplace on Ethereum, which aims to make Web3 even more accessible to music artists. Follow along on Twitter at Mintsongs or check out Mintsongs.com to learn more. All right, back to the episode. You know, PFPs are are inherently visual. It's a visual experience. It stimulates your 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 vision, right? One of those senses. And I'm trying to think, uh, like when you think about expression beyond just being able to see something, right? Whether it be listening to something or feeling something, I wonder where NFTs come into play with that, like an auditory uh, expression type of experience. And I know I'm just I'm I'm, I'm thinking kind of like more brainstorming with you over here because oh, being yeah. able be, being able to basically visualize and symbolize you own something right uh is inherently why i believe nfts went berserk uh and being able to kind of have digital property on the internet being able to symbolize that you spent x amount of money on this thing and show that off uh and provably show it off has those like social effects that we kind of go through in the physical world but i'm trying to think about any file could be an nft you can tokenize any type of file and what does expression look like on a on a visual level? Uh, not on a visual, on an auditory level, for example. And because uh, I know a lot of your tracks, a lot of your your promo has really interesting music behind it as well. It's like a very dual type of experience. And I'm curious, like, how do you guys think about more of the auditory side uh, around NFTs at the project? If that's even something you're thinking about? Yeah, we've been uh, we've been talking about that. So first, I think that there is kind of like the visual identity. We really like solve this i think um in kind of being at the intersection of kind of like more high-end fashion streetwear and um i would say kind of like the cyberpunk you know vibe and so right being at the crossing the audio side is is very hard to do so like right now i feel like we're kind of like trending towards almost kind of like uh trapanese so like almost like japanese trap type of uh, of feeling mm. um but I think it's like we would first need to like uh, to, to get that, but this is something that we definitely want to have in our interactive experiences. Um, one thing that like I, I was thinking like as you were speaking is, you know, say you have uh, say you have like 
you know, the, 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 um, the pods, you know, for like artifacts, right? Like first and foremost, like I'm a huge fan of artifact, love what they do, very like tech centric, really trying to like push the narrative and like we're seeing that with also like customization features and so on. Like what if you had like your clone and then like you can click it and within the NFT itself, or like through the interactive interactive interfaces, have that have the, the the pod be part of the NFT, right? And like basically have like the clone link to that, right? And like you basically enter enter like the pod by clicking some things, right? And so and even having sound that comes with it and so on. And so this would be part of like a kind of like an end-to-end -end experience. And like that's kind of like how I think about it. Uh, there are obviously like you know security issues for marketplaces to handle state storing state you know and like allowing your nft to access uh, other websites to do like various actions so like they need to to sandbox things uh, for for security purposes but like i'm very curious to to see like how far can we go from like uh, interactive experience that is visual audio that is very cohesive and like really brings you something as a holder but also allows you to signal more things to people around you because a lot of the pfp space is about this right it's about like kind of like showing who you are and along bringing people into your 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 world kind of and like displaying your roles and achievements so like how do we make that kind of like a cohesive thing and we're working on that um but this is like this is very hard to do honestly yeah like so audio is like tokenizing music for example is really really big right now um, and if your your song, if it's a one of one NFT and it gets played on the radio, there's no real way for me to kind of provably kind of like show that I own that song that's playing on the radio right now. Right. And I'm, yeah. I'm thinking like, what is that? What does that layer look like of uh, being able to kind of prove that you own uh, an audio type of file uh, on chain? You know what I mean? So, yeah, so there are kind of like different w ways that like the, the music NFTs are working right now. And like, this is extremely interested. Like, I love music NFTs and like one of our advisors and, and one of my very good friends is uh, is Justin Blau. Um, and so, you know, obviously like him being a, a worldwide known DJ, but also being the founder of Royal, I got to learn a lot about, you know, music NFTs through him. And so there are kind of like different ways to think about it. There are people who kind of want to store the music on chain or like through IPFS and just like link to it. And others like Royal actually do not point at the file, but they actually point at legal documents that represent your ownership of the song, right? With uh, with a hash of the, the, the file. And so... This is actually like two different, very different ways to do it. And it has you know, like very critical ramification around like what it actually represents. But this is this is very important to to, to kind of like note. And I think that like the one with the documents, the legal documents will, will work great for, for that. And it's so interesting how you approach that question from a technical level, right? Because what I was imagining, because NFTs are inherently visual, right? And the way you kind of visualize ownership right now is through a hexagon or if it sits in your wallet. And what does that look like for like an audio-based NFT that you can't really put in your in your PFP and have the hexagon? Right? Oh, I see, it I just, see. You know what I mean? And it's I interesting see. how you answered that from a, from a technical point of view. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's just how you're wired. I love it. Yeah, no, I love exactly. it. But I'm thinking because I collect a lot of music NFTs and... There's no real way for me to show it off. Maybe by sharing playlists, right? And being able to kind of symbolize ownership. But even that, like that's more of a visual experience too, scrolling through a playlist. But I'm thinking if it's on the radio, if I hear it on a TV show, right? Or something, how can I show that off, you know, to the rest of the world? Yeah. That I own that audio file. You know so what I mean? <laughs> one, thing, one thing that like I, I, I've started uh, digging into is like through interactive NFTs, how can you should just share more context about things that may not look as good on like, mm. for example, like a patch or something like this. Right. And like, if you think about, you know, clicking an asset, clicking a patch, clicking something on the, the PFP and being able to like reveal more information about it, whether it's like ENS name, for example, like you have some ENS names, like it's just, we, we started looking at like ENS names and formatting them is a nightmare, right? Like some people have like ENS names that are just like longer than my apartment. And so <laughs> just having like, you need to kind of like standardize a way, like more or less the way you want to like display it. Maybe it's just like with the logo of ENS and allowing people through 
uh, interaction. So like actually clicking on the ENS thing to kind of like display almost like a, a window, still part of the NFT, still part of like what is pointed to by the NFT on chain, but having like an interactive experience that like can display more information about the ENS, right? And that would be kind of like, this is mm. this, this top level ENS, this person has like, you know, and, and like the registry of the ENS under this, or like the subdomains that they mm. may have and so on. And same thing for it, uh, like a uh, same thing for music, right? It could be, it could be sound at XYZ, it could be royal, but like you being able to like click, you know, on like something that looks like a logo or something and play it as part of it is something that we can do, right? Like this is something that is actually very easy to do. You can have, you know, it's just JavaScript and you can play musics, right? Um, and, and the idea to kind of like give more context while still like making it look good visually. Right. Through like inter like additional interactions and interactive NFTs is something that I believe will really unlock and unlock the the, the, the profile picture format. So that like you have this, you have like this visual toolbox, right? That like looks good. Right. Like if you want to dig, dig deeper, you can click and just get mm. more information. It's just one big rabbit hole. Yeah. It's like a visual web browser, actually. If you think about it, it's almost like, you know, you just like click on a, instead of clicking on a, on the link, you actually click on like something that is visual, a visual element, and just like start getting more context and can do that even recursively again and again. And so these are things that like we're actually heavily considering and, and, and talking mm. So talking more about like the visual experience, I want to talk about the art. Okay. Because, uh, the internet is actually going absurd over the renders that you guys are creating. And when you zoom in, you just see like pixel for pixel, like the detail is immaculate, right? I don't know I, who, who is the artist on the team. Like, how did you guys even find this person? The, the design is incredible. Yeah. So, you know, in the NFT space, there's like this, uh, the, this question that you just asked of like, who's the artist, but like, obviously when we're talking about this level of quality, it's not a single person. It's actually an entire team. Uh, I think it's a little bit over 10 people that have been working on this for uh, seven seven months, actually, straight. Wow. Um, and yeah, like this is, you know, like we wanted everything to be pixel perfect, look amazing, um, not too dark, not too uh, joyful, having like the right level that like keeps it like mysterious. Um, and has like, you know, uh, coherence in the artistic direction. So on that, so on that point, so what did the mood board look like when kind of designing this project? Like what were the different elements that led to the inspiration of the first character? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So like the mood board was, we wanted to like really find the different sources of inspiration. What kind of like, what kind of categories and we, we, we should publish like our mood board at some point, I feel like. Yeah, I, I really feel like you should. That'd be really cool. It would just create yeah. even more excitement to kind of tap into the mind of, of who, the minds, the 10 people who yeah. kind of put this thing together. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it was a really uh, things coming from, from everything. So like, you know, from the fashion side, there were like many inspirations, you know, obviously like Kenny West is, is a big one. Maison Margiela is also like extremely strong when it comes to masks. They've been like pushing the, the narrative forward, like, by by like way beyond uh, any other um uh kind of like couture institutions um so like we really studied that quite a lot there was like a lot on the um uh, protest side so something that is very interesting is that protests around the globe kind of like start with you know just protecting your identity and protecting themselves like physically right but then one step further is actually like what kind of message can you represent onto like your mask right so you have you start having like people who write uh, messages onto their mask put symbols etc and then like you get into fashion and so fashion has been like you basically have like protests that turn almost into like fashion display right because it grabs attention it is going to make things viral and like people you know, human beings are about symbols, right? Like we're like very visual creatures that like really relate to symbols and like um, like to to put put ourselves behind these. And so, just going over, you know, like various prod protests in the world and how like people started building uh, um, uh, messages, uh, uh, visual visual messages for them and visual language. Um, and some of them might be light, some of them might be you know just like 
written down. Some of them might be just, you know, abstract art. We're seeing a lot of that. We're also went into, um, you know, um, uh, hip hop. So like mm -hmm. uh, the drill, like the drill world, especially the UK drill is very, very advanced when it comes to using masks uh, as identities. Animes, animes are huge thing. I'm a big fan. And yeah. like, if you look at like, Wow. If you look at like Naruto, when you look at like some of the other like Bleach, etc., like the mask is just everything. Like when you see like some of them with like with the mask, you 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 because it, it's not so much about like the, the like it's the person that like sends a message. And like this is exactly what we wanted to do from like an artistic standpoint. It's basically like sending a message that is much bigger than like what you look like physically. It's actually like, what are you about, right? And kind of, mm. kind of, you kind of like summarize it in something that is going to be displayed as kind of like a, as a front end to to you, right? And this is like the that was really that was really the um, the the idea behind it. Actually, like I, I found the uh, I found the uh, the um, the idea of the of the 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 masks. Uh, I was watching um, a music video for my favorite rap rap artist called Kalash Criminel. He's like a French rapper. Um, for any French, uh, uh, for any French viewer, like they're gonna, they're gonna know it, him for sure. Shout out. <laughs> Shout out Kalash Criminel for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, you can have a free mint if you want. And basically, <laughs> <laughs> so he kind of like started with like a blank balaclava, right? And like, as he started adding like more consciousness in in his uh in his lyrics and just like more protest and like just more messages and deeper messages he actually started adding um some of the messages and like symbols for example like talking about you know uh bloody war in 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 africa he started putting like a bloody hand you know symbol mm. on this is like this is like very visceral because you have this it is a canvas it is about what you're saying you're actually prioritizing this message over like what you physically look like and we felt like it was the best representation like it was just the best artistic concept that would match this idea of like you know a digital canvas that would allow you to show more about yourself and so this is really what we wanted to allow people to do it's just like as you develop your your, your identity as you join communities as you create experiences you attend events etc you should be able to like make your your NFT evolve with you, and so that's 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 kind of like how it came to be. You know, you're you're incredibly technical, yet you're also incredibly creative. Um, and and when you meet technical people, the stigma is that they're introverted. You know, like they 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 stick to their code, like they stick to their screen. But you seem to exemplify many many characteristics that extend way beyond that, right? Obviously, th not everybody fits into that shell, but that's like that's like the stigma, right? And hearing you speak about all these like artistic, creative kind of like approaches is is really interesting to see how it kind of comes into play with the actual image itself. Because everything that you just described, really, I, I see, I see the PFP, right? Like this entire vision that you just portrayed artistically, I can envision that, right? And I think you guys really, like, you guys really connected the fuses really, really well, uh, and kind of like. Uh, forming forming that design i also so, want to talk to yeah go ahead go ahead i was about to say so um something that like we didn't touch on and like uh is also pretty relevant to this is that i've been a graffiti artist for 20 years actually ah. so i've been doing graffiti every single see that i didn't find online that i didn't <laughs> find online <laughs> um yeah but like i've been i've been doing graffiti for 20 years um so wow. obviously it's like a lot less about you know like we have characters and like i think that like hip-hop was also like a big inspiration um but it i think that like did the dictate it dictated like a lot of kind of like the streetwear kind of like type of fashion that like we we we, we try to display in always a way that is like very slick um but yeah like for me uh, i think that like art is you know it, it is a big part of my life um outside of, of that obviously you like i a lot less time to like uh, with graffiti but like i i can show you like all my uh like all my yeah. notes are, like tags like everywhere 24 7 you know just like i'm gonna wow. be, i'm gonna be like constantly you know tagging and and, and just like 
making some graffiti on the side. Wait, wait. We're already like 48 minutes into this episode, and this is the first time I hear that you're a graffiti artist. I could not find that anywhere online. How did, <laughs> how, how did you get into graffiti art? Um, wow. Uh, you know, I tend to fall, I, I tend to fall in love with, with things, um, and just like stick to them. Um, I think I was 11 years old and it was someone, uh, I was very nerdy. I was, I was a geek, uh, you know, always working 24 seven and just like trying to get the best grades. But, um, there you have this, you have these like two guys in my uh, older sister's uh, class and they actually like wrote her name in graffiti style and i saw that at home and i was just like what is this and then i was like what does it mean and then i just like fell in love and and i spent like the next week just like you know like when you put like a calc onto it like a like a you know like a opaque layer and you start like mm-hmm. basically like recopying over and over and i was just mm-hmm. doing that for like a full week like a hundred times and wow. then like started you know like wanting to learn more and then like went to paint my first wall and then i, I just loved the idea and um did some you know legal murals some illegal murals and then you know i just i just love the culture it's uh it's something that is that is very deep in me this is mine by the way i did like a a16z x web oh wait let me go full screen oh shit (laughs) that's sick that's really sick doing some uh, exclusive merch for a16z uh you'll have to send me some pictures of your stuff i'm gonna include it in the show notes um i think the world needs to see more of that uh, before we, we wrap up, I want to ask you a, a, about a few more things, okay? Um, a big part of crypto is obviously community. It's incredibly redundant and washed out statement. But every every kind of project has its own unique community, has its own ethos, has its own kind of like values. And when you were constructing Rebels, I think the hardest part that a lot of creators kind of have when they enter the, the space is finding those first few people that align with what they're doing. Right. In your case, you guys have thousands of people in your Discord, crazy following and engagement online. But how did you plant that first seed? What was like the starting process of getting those first few people to fall in love with what you're doing to then eventually scale it to where it's at today? And we're what? We're a few days from crunch time of kind of seeing this go live. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um so I think that like there are actually two things about about this. It's kind of like how do you first get the people to come to you, and then how do they how do you make them connect with your vision, with your kind of like mission statement, with your DNA, and how do you build the DNA with them, right? Because it's not like if I tell you repeatedly like we're about this, we're about this, we're about this, it's it's not going to change anything if you don't like inherently and deeply connect to it. And so the first part was actually, I would say, a lot of luck, a lot of about the art and about a lot about like the setup around the initial announcement that we made. So I was actually on a, I was actually on a, on a Twitter space with uh, Nikhil, the co-founder of Alchemy. I was uh, also on the, um, uh, there was also um, co-founder of Dapper Labs and, and, and a few other uh, people. And so at the end, we actually did uh, a POAP uh, that was basically like a that would represent like a whitelist entry uh, mm. on a project that we just announced, right? And it would like there were like many people in the audience. It was like very high profile. It was we were talking about like Web three and and security and 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 the future of infrastructure in the space, etc. And so people came in first for the art, uh, which was like very singular, very unique at the time, and 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 still is today. But like people really connected to the art, and then the transition to making it about community happened over time by us being very present in the discord and actually you know i'm a big fan about i'm a big fan about like building culture in general like i've read every single book uh, possible about like you know building company culture uh, mm. and, and my favorite one is actually written by uh, Ben Horowitz. And this is actually one of the reasons that led me to join uh, Anderson Horowitz, um, where you basically have like building a community is almost like building a team, building a company in the sense that like you have to kind of like lead efforts 
in terms of culture, but you have to bring people with you and, and make them understand how everything that you're proposing is going to be beneficial for them, for others around them, and, you know, kind of like make everyone move together in the right direction. And so I spend most of my time talking about community culture, community DNA, community building, trying to help people build kind of like build efforts because like we want to build an ecosystem, you know, and mm-hmm. everything that I think about community, I'm thinking Ethereum. I think that like Ethereum is amazing. You know, no one relies on Vitalik anymore to kind of like dictate where should things go. And like, they don't rely on, on him for like a lot of the efforts they do, you know, uh, have him in like high regards, but like they, the Ethereum did really well at kind of like scaling uh, the, the the foundation uh, uh, efforts to the uh, to to multiple kind of like you know groups of people everywhere uh, around the globe, and so we try to do that, but that happens by walking the talk, right? Like I'm on Discord three to four hours a day, uh, all week long, weekend probably more than that. I'm constantly there. I'm constantly talking with everyone, constantly in the VCs, uh, and helping people kind of like onboard and kind of like reward the 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 the, the positive uh behaviors and one of the things that like we do that is very singular and people really connect to is uh fostering sub communities my opinion is that sub communities are the most important thing about communities like this is the thing that is gonna dictate that like you feel like you're part of a whole but at the same time you are unique I myself, for example, if I take like an example from just like a geographic standpoint, right? Like where I come from, I come from France and I'm not thinking like, oh, like I'm just, I'm not the scare, uh, 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 sorry, I'm not the scarce uh, resource because I'm like one of out of, uh, you know, uh, 70 million, right? Like this is not how I think about it. How I think is like, okay, I'm French, but I'm from Paris. I'm from, you know, uh, the, the 18th district and like within the 18th district, I'm from like this very specific neighborhood. And this kind of like these layers, nested layers actually dictate how I actually feel like I'm and part of like something big and also at the same time part of like a very small community that like makes me unique, right? And so this is the type of thing that we try to foster in the community where we're really into helping people build sub-communities. We, we help people create like they already, we already have like three people who created their own NFT collections within the, the community and we help them bootstrap these efforts to kind of like have already these kind of like smaller groups form themselves and feel like they're not thinking about like, oh, I'm just a rebel, but I'm I'm part of like Yoko Yoko rebel. I'm part of like toys mm-hmm. rebels. You know, it's just like and, and and people are already talking about like forming their own DAOs, etc. Like I love this. I think that like one of the reasons why Board Ape was so successful is because you know you have like the golden apes that form their own DAOs. You have like sub-communities that form themselves and, and just like really thrive over time. Uh, same thing for Zuki. And so I'm really excited to see that happen for Rebels. But it comes with like really doing that on a constant and daily basis, uh, which is something that like not a lot of people have obviously like the time and the energy to do and on the, the passion. But like this is this is critical. So do you orchestrate manually a sub community and hope that like it spirals out into something organic or how do you, how do you like prop the sub community to form? I think that like people do have a lot of creativity and like people have the, yeah, people have the creative creativity, people will create things uh, and, you know, in the community and we see that constantly and the goal is not for you to just lay like, oh, clap, clap, like whitelist. This is not mm-hmm. what you should do. What you should be doing is like, your thing is amazing. A lot of people would like really enjoy, you know, displaying that. Do you feel like, you know, building something bigger? Do you feel like bringing other people that like you're close to because they also built, built friendships, right? It's like, do, do you and your friends want to like do something and kind of like help them, you know, organize the events like basically help on the operational side around it and like communication so that like they provide the 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 the, the main efforts but you're here to kind of like support them from like an operational and like marketing communication perspective mm. to kind of like scale out their efforts more broadly within the discord outside of the discord 
And so now you basically have like these uh, this this amazing uh, uh, part of like the Japanese community that is actually creating you know kind of like a Japanese roulette with like uh, um, like really sought after uh, uh, NFTs that are like from a derivative collection, and they organize that on a very frequent basis. Uh, they have like these like um, votes on like which one should we release next, etc. And so they have the creativity. They put up amazing content content that like I would not be creating myself because like, you know, we just like, we have very different creative uh, um, mm -hmm. experiences and appetites and taste, but scaling that out is very important. Like me making myself available for them if they need anything is the, the, the more, the, the most critical things. Oh, and by the way, our solution. So, one other thing is that you need to make people feel like they're part of the community even before the mint, mm. which is very important. And so, so now, like you know, you have a lot of things that are free, free to mint, and like that, that's that's like a lot more widespread. But for us, we actually did it when no one was doing it, and so we really wanted to make like these people feel like they're already part of the community. They don't need to like think about over financializing, you know, this project. They should just like focus on building the best stuff. And so this is what we basically did with the Freemans very early to basically allow them to, to feel like, okay, they're already part of the community. They can like go to the next level, right? Like they're already in this Rebels ecosystem. Then they can build like one level deeper as I was discussing. It's a funnel, basically. It, it works It works as a funnel. Um, something that I've been talking about really for a long time on the podcast, because this is all about creators, the Web3 creator economy. And trying to build an audience in the in the Web three creator economy is uh, trying to find a, and align incentives. And the best way to do that, in my opinion, is through a free mint, um, or at least using that as a way to gauge and kind of like funnel in a top level type of category. Then you kind of work with people and kind of create unique experiences that funnels them down throughout the pipeline. Um, and we saw this with the mint one with G Money and him building like this CRM of giving up POAPs to his most earliest supporters. Uh, we see this with POAPs in general and people attending events in person, be able to kind of mark their milestone in, in terms of being a part of something very early on. I also do this on the podcast with Mint. I've given out over 8,000 NFTs to my, to my listeners wow. for free. And uh, the last season, they were actually, they were non-transferable because I saw people kind of switching and trading these POAPs, which the intention is because I want to do something bigger. The intention is to kind of mark it as you came in at this season you supported me at this season, and now I can prove that, right? Um, so free NFTs are a great way to do that. Creating sub-communities through these projects is actually, it's the first time I've, I've heard something like that, um, which might just end up being the title of this episode. We'll see. But uh, this has been great. I've learned a lot from you. I've learned a lot from your story. And before I let you go, uh, where can we find more about the project? Uh, what are the minting details? When does it go live? Give me that entire rundown. That sounds great. Um, so you can uh, first, everything is going to happen on the Twitter page, uh, twitter.com slash rebels by night. Um, the website is rebels.art. Uh, so don't, you know, follow for any scam. Nothing is going to happen on like fake premium sites. Uh, you know, you have to go through the official channels. Um, the Mint is actually happening uh, this Sunday, uh, June 12th. Um, the public mint, uh, which is going to last three hours in the format of a Dutch auction that is going to start at 0 0.8 and will uh, rest at 0 0.1. Then the whitelist is going to be right after that for probably 48 hours, uh, give or take. Um, and it's going to be at 0 0.08 ETH. And then we're going to have some uh, some uh, blog that is dedicated for like all the free mints. Uh, we have 10% of the collection that is free to mint for, um, uh, you know, lead and, and pseudo roles that, that we were uh, talking about it, talking about before. So that is going to be the mint. Um, the reveal is going to be shortly after. We don't want to wait, you know, to have people wait too long. Uh, we're building an amazing, amazing reveal experience. A lot of people focus on the mint. We want to focus on the reveal. We think that like the reveal is going to be something else, and so very excited to uh, to 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 see everyone you know join us in 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 the rebellion. That's really something that uh, that we're very excited about. 
Incredible. Well, we're going to have to do this again once the project is live, once everything has been revealed and we kind of see the community grow from there on out. But thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time and uh, we'll see you soon. That sounds good. Thank you so much, Adam. It was awesome. I had an amazing time. Thanks again for having me. Of course. Congratulations on making it this far into the episode. You are a champ. And because of that, I want to say thank you by giving you a free participation NFT. You can claim yours today by visiting adamlevy.io forward slash NFT. Follow the steps on your screen. You'll be good to go. Also, depending on which platform you're listening on, be sure to like, subscribe, comment, share, favorite, etc. It really helps grow the platform and our reach online. And last but not least, I want to give some love and recognize one of our NFT sponsors who's helping make this episode a reality. They are CyberConnect, a decentralized social graph protocol allowing users to own and control their social connections while providing a universal data layer backed by powerful social features to empower developers. Already with 150,000 users and 3 million connections, CyberConnect is the largest decentralized social graph supporting Ethereum, Binance Smart Chain, Near, and Solana with more coming soon. To learn more, visit cyberconnect.me and start connecting with everyone in Web3.